You are listening to the ASI Podcast. My name is Rush Shaw. This is Season 6, Episode 11 with my friend Seth Taylor. I got a handful of friends that can't be bought. If you tell them you're the king, you're probably not. Got a brand new approach and I ain't done. I'm the master of machines. Seth Taylor on the podcast once again. How you doing, man? It's season six. I'm on season six of this thing. I'm like I'm like that a uh, a weird sidekick that just pops every once in a while. You're my reoccurring guest on the show. <laughs> we hang out, we have these discussions, and then I'm like, "Damn, this is some good material. We should be recording this." What, what was what was Johnny Carson's kick? What was his his uh, his guy? Oh yeah, Ed. Ed McMahon. Ed McMahon. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Who's that guy. That's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna listen to talking. Go, yes. <laughs> no. No, man. So I, this episode, is kind of birthed out of uh, some stuff I've been learning and doing this season six, and it's been sparsely episoded <laughs> this season. But uh it's a new vocabulary. Yeah, right? <laughs> Sparsely is that episode. A, is that is that a word? I guess those are words. I could throw those words together. What the hell? That sounds like a cookbook of some sort. <laughs> yeah, that's right. What you want is it to be sparsely episoded. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. And, and that's when it's you know it's has ready. the right <laughs> has the right energy to it. Sort of like distilling. Yeah. You want to ferment sparsely it sparsely episode spar- it. That's right. That's right. <laughs> um but getting into better questions. Um, which I think is powerful. Yeah. And I wanted to talk about some, because uh, you do, uh, so Seth Taylor, for those of you who don't know, um, you've been a guest on the show reoccurringly. Yeah. You wrote a book called Feels Like Redemption, yeah. which was published by Triple X Church. You uh, do, uh, uh, what do you, explain to listeners what you do yeah, at Triple X Church. Well, we have, we, Triple X Church and I teamed up to create what's called My Pilgrimage. And mm-hmm. it was built off of the book Feels Like Redemption. And we wrote, we wrote a, a, basically a therapeutic process guidebook called My Pilgrimage. We have small groups, uh, mypilgrimage.com. There's a website. And it's, what we were trying to do was, I was trying to help them kind of get past um, some of the hyper-religious, um, non-spirit-driven Right. mentalities as that, that have been taken towards the issues of porn addiction, sex addiction, especially in the Christian culture. Um, I think, I think, and they agreed with me in the sense that a lot of, a lot of it's been pretty toxic over the right. years. And, yeah. and, uh, and they started recognizing that if, if there's not something that has, has an actual spiritual power to it, then what, what are we doing here? Kind of yeah. Thing. Yeah. So, uh, so if you feel like it gets kind of like, and we've talked about this before, it gets sort of shamey, like shame. Oh, yeah. I mean, something that you and I have seen over the years is that shame is a huge deterrent to real healing. Yeah. And when you start bringing in words like purity yeah. or even the purity movement, like I'm going right. to buy a ring and that's going to fix it. Right. Or, right. or, and still or I'm going to get married. That'll fix it. Right. Right. Oh, how many more yeah. sexually compulsive 
Well, and, and even <laughs> they I mean, one laugh, but it's it's when they graduated into that. I think some of the recovery language still is a problem as well. Like the idea of of once you're an addict, you're always an addict. Yeah. And it's like, you know that concept for me. Like anything that if we are going to talk about spiritual, if we're going to talk about God. If we're going to talk about whatever term you would like to use, Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, then we can't put limitations on it. Yeah. And that means he. That means we don't have to always be an addict. And in my story, I'm not an addict anymore. I was, and I'm not. Right. You know, I, bl- I believe you in that same camp. Yeah, it's yeah. Not a, it's, it's I've caught a lot of flack over the years for calling myself an ex-addict. Right. Yeah. People and and I and I agree with you. It's like blaming alcohol. Like that's not helping anyone. No. I yeah. think that alcohol is it's a coping mechanism, much like pornography. Absolutely. And we don't need to demonize it. No. You know. The question is, do we have the courage to go to? The depth that those things lie within us. Yeah. Because if you if we just look at a human being as layers of consciousness, layers of energy, and we start peeling those layers back, at some layer you are going to get to the place where that is held, right? Where that is locked into a part of of how you survive, what you carry. And so the question is, how how deep do we have to go to heal that? And are we willing to do that? And is there anything to help us with that? And I believe there is, and that's what my pilgrimage was built on. So, right. Yeah. So that's a that's one of those. Maybe I'll just title this episode "Better Questions," right? Better question. That's good. Yeah, <laughs> so like that's that. a that's a better question because I think people enter into listening to a podcast like this, going, you know, my my behavior's out of control. Um, I've been trying for years. Mm-hmm. I've tried over and over again. I've failed over and over again. Yeah. Um, you know, what do I need to do? Usually, right. there's the D word, right? Yeah. Give me something to do. Sure. And and what would you say to, to that question? Or do you even have another question to... Jesus answered a lot of questions with questions, yeah. which I, I find really interesting, too. This is sort of a, yeah. a Christ-following kind, sure. kind of a discipline Well, and show. there's a direct example, things. right? The rich, rich young ruler comes and says, you know, good teacher, what must I do to yeah, get saved? Yeah. Right? And Jesus said, well, you know the law. Right? Yeah. Do all those things. And, of course, he was testing him, right? The idea was he's looking for what are you atta- what's he really attached to? Because when he found that, oh, this man's salvation is in what he owns, he just says one more thing. Yeah. You want to be saved. Detach from everything you think makes you okay. You know? Uh-huh. And and that was that, you know, he was asking him to to die in a sense. You know, that idea of taking up the cross. And, you know, so he's saying that that whole teaching about in order to save your life, you must lose it. Yeah. Is about, is about basically unhinging yourself from all the things that we actually attach to to make us okay. I mean, and one of those things is religion you know yeah, yeah. One of those, i have a client theology and yeah and certain how my parents taught me oh yeah I, had a, I have a client this is interesting we were talking about it and he says i said you, you know we we're asking do you have a spiritual life and he's like well i pray and i go oh yeah i go well who, what do you pray for who do you pray to and he goes you know god and i go is your god a man or a woman and he goes he's a man and he said it really definitively right. and he was raised you know he presbyterian and i said um old man young man he goes I guess older. And, I go, and he could feel it all. It was really interesting. And he started to smile because I go, where's your God located? And he goes, up. <laughs> right. Old man in the sky. And that's your God. Yeah. I go, but surely you understand that God is not a man in the sky. Right. And he's like, yeah, I get that in my brain. I go, but your body is oriented towards that. Uh-huh. Because we create uh, these gods and yeah. then we attach these gods and we help them. We, we create them and then they help us survive. But God, Yahweh, okay, the mystery Right. That idea that in, you see in the Psalms, you see all over the scriptures, this, this idea of this ineffable mystery, right? That That is something that as we orient it towards ourselves, towards that, it 
when we bring ourselves into the mystery of God, it brings us into the mystery of who we are. Right. And that's where healing really lies. So you have to go into the uncertainty because addiction is, I don't know. Yeah. And it's sitting right in your center. Give me a do. Right. Yeah. And so you want to do. So if, you, if you're going to do someone, let's say somebody's listening to this right now and they're going, yeah, but what do I do? Right. Well, and I tell every, and <laughs> give me a path, give me a direction, find whatever language you right. want to use. Yeah. There is a certain amount of desperation. And I was there, yeah. you know, sure. like I, I you know, well, I'll, I'll give you an me. example. I had a coffee, coffee meeting with a guy this morning and we just, it was actually a business meeting. We were talking about some other thing, but then he started chatting about, I just didn't want to get it. He was late. So he's like, I didn't want to get out of bed. You know, really? Why not? Mm-hmm. I don't know, man. I just did not want to get out of bed. You know, what's, what's, I don't want to get out of bed. What's that feel like? Yeah. So step one, and this is step one for every client that I have. So if somebody's listening to this right now, they're going, what do I do? I'd go, okay, I want you to feel. I want you to take the next five minutes and feel. And all that means, it doesn't mean stop thinking. Yeah. It, it means bring your attention down to the physical sensation. So if somebody's like, you know, I'm a porn addict, I'll have guys sometimes that go, well, what we're going to do is you, you can look at all the porn you want. That's fine. I go, but for the, but we're going to instigate a rule for the two minutes before you hit enter, you have to sit, breathe, and feel your body. Feel below your neck. Yeah. What's going on in your chest and in your stomach. That's yeah. always the beginning. And here's a question, because studying sexuality over the years, um, and I so relate to what you're saying, too, because that's something I've said on this show for years. It's like, you know, people have, it, 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 and I've struggled with this, too, but and it's, it's not something I'm saying to demonize people or make people feel bad or anything like that. Mm. But if you want to look at porn, you're going to look at porn. Right. So it, it, this is really more about want tos right. than it is about, you know, cause I, I went through that as a, as an addict with my chemical romances, you know, just right. holding on to, I'm going to get through another day. Seth, I'm going to be sober one more day. Just, right. ah! Like living <laughs> like that is no fun, man. It isn't. No. And, no, and no. getting past the chemical stuff, because that shit, like, I'll be honest, even, even the, even the, the gripping, the steering wheel stuff, some of that was good. Yeah. Because, um, oh, this summer, and I did the math on this. I thought it was 29 years. This summer will be 30 years since I've used methamphetamine and crack cocaine, which is powerful addiction. I used to cook my, I I told a guy the other day, it's like, dude, I used to cook my joy in a spoon (laughs) with a flame and a a, a little little glass pipe, man. And, And so... I don't want to shit on that, like getting through another day without using, um, but, but getting into, getting past that had a lot more to do with this explosion of love. It was that my daughter was born. That was a big one, you know, and just going, wow, this little person in my arms, um, I'm responsible now. It's time to wake the fuck up. Wake something up inside you. I was talking to a friend of mine about that yesterday. His daughter, same thing, had a daughter born and he's like, and it's woken something up inside of him. And I said, Hey, you need to recognize that was always in you. Yeah. She's woken it up. So don't don't put a burden on her that she has to be the source of love now. She can't be. Yeah, She's exactly. woken something up inside of you, yeah. and that has to be the thing. Or my want. wife. I did that, too. Like, right. episode two of this podcast was The Reason. I played that song, The Reason, by Hoopastank, because mm-hmm. that was a song back then when I started. <laughs> and, and it was like, oh, the reason is you, you know? And I got... But I, I, later on in life, I had to realize that because my, my wife, you know, was a bit... I hurt her really yeah. badly, you yeah. know? I did damage, really heavy damage to my relationship. I was a liar for so many years, yeah. living a double life and and having build rebuilding that trust is difficult. And mm-hmm. she doesn't have a tracker on me, right? Like she's yeah. still 
can worry and have anxiety about what I'm doing, but eventually I had to do this for me yeah. and to keep down the road of healing and, right. and mental health and all of that yeah. for me. Because yeah. if I only did it for her, like you're saying, it's, it's, it's like an idol. That's why, that's why in the Ten Commandments, like what number one is don't create a graven image, right? They don't yeah. worship something yeah. that's not God, right? right? This is where we get into the theological. <laughs> and and when theology matters, right? It does I mean, it, matter. It's a, horse, yeah. it's a horse and cart discussion. Mm -hmm. You know, people say, well, we need to change your theology and that'll change you. No, no, no. Your theology changes as you change. Yeah. That's why nobody changes because they discovered a new theology. People start to shift when their eyes open. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you're seeing this discussion politically in our country right now. People going, what? Wait a minute. I thought, wait a minute. We're separating parents and their kids? Like, yeah. Yeah, we can't do that. And and it's when that emotional experience, that true deep experience starts to go, exactly. Wait a minute, this is not okay. It's a heart thing. Yeah, that's when theology starts to shift because all of a sudden somebody finds out they're a little more liberal than they thought they were. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And they're like, wait a minute. And then it, it's something, it's like a door cracks open and then there is the capacity, and this is where the questions come in, to, to start to open that door more. If someone allows them to ask the question. My yeah. wife and I were watching Downton Abbey last night and they were talking about contemplating your life and, and the old lady was like oh I, do, I find that that's just not a good practice don't think about your life You're like any life that's too examined starts to be meaningless right <laughs> she's like life loses its meaning when you start thinking about it <laughs> and it's like so don't think about it <laughs> and then you'll be satisfied you know but that's the thing is the unexamined life is not worth living right yeah uh, there's that as well so but when people start to question the balance well I, you know here's a great example I had this youth pastor as a life client life coaching client and he'd read my book and he and we're, we're chatting. He's a classic kind of white Christian privilege porn addict, you know, and, he, and and he's kind of struggling with these things. And we started chatting a little bit right from the beginning. And I just tossed a couple stones at him. I said, I, I want you to just think about, because I said, your God is a part of this. Right. And your construct is a part of this. I said, so I just want you to think about a couple of things. I go, I want you to think about, let's think about the character of your God. I go, if someone dies tomorrow and they're not a Christian, what is your God going to do? He said, well, my, you know, that's not my God's choice. You know, it, this person's going to go to hell kind of thing, right? Yeah. So, okay. So in, in the world that your God has created, if they don't, if someone's born in Saudi Arabia, they're fucked. Right. And he's just like, <laughs> well, you know, well, no, I mean, I don't think it's necessarily like that. I go, well, what do you think? Yeah. And we, and we, I just, we spent just a couple, a couple sessions just letting him just throwing throw some stuff. I said, okay, that's it for theology. I don't want to talk about theology anymore. Let's go into energy. Let's go into what's going on in your body. I go, but I do want you wrestling with these things because there was something that had to start to break and crack. And I was just trying to crack that door open. Yeah. And he can choose whether to step into that or not. And everyone does eventually. The question is whether, you know, whether you're going to double down on that, yeah. you know, or whether you're going to open that door fully. And, and now he's going on pilgrimage and he's, and he's doing some things that are really starting to open his heart and his mind. But I don't know. I am fascinated by, you know, the, I mean, this is what philosophy, the entire discipline of philosophy is about the question. Yeah. Right. Creating the dialectic tension. I mean, even Pete Rollins, you know, our friend Pete. Yeah. Right. Phenomenal philosopher, but his self critique is fascinating. I, I, one time somebody asked him, what's your self critique? Because you're a good philosopher, you have to be able to look at your own perspective and rip it to shreds. Yeah. And it's what keeps you in check and keeps you honest and keeps you working and keeps you, you know, changing. Right. And he's like, well, I've asked the philosophy that you can't be happy to make me happy. Right. And he goes, and it's not working. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's wonderful because that creates the catalyst for constant change. And that's all we can ask of anybody is that we just keep changing. Yeah, yeah. And we just keep changing. And, and that's what leads us to not being an addict anymore. If you decide... At the beginning of this process, if someone out there right now is going, I'm going to start healing, 
and you're, and you're an addict, if you decide right here, right now that you will always be an addict because somebody told you that, whether it's recovery people or religious people, then you are, you are literally cutting your legs off right from the beginning. Right. If we, if we view it as a pilgrimage, and this is why we created the pilgrimage, if you view it as a pilgrimage, and this is literally a one step at a time, and let's just see what happens. Yeah. You know, but my desire, when we open up our desire, I desire freedom. I do want to be free. Yeah. I don't want to have to be a slave to anything. Then, then it's a one step at a time process. Sorry, I don't know. Phone's buzzing on me. Yeah, I thought it was mine. One step, so <laughs> one step at a time process. Man. So yeah, there's so so much there. Um, the question I originally had, and I lost it. Uh, it was about uh, before the rock bottom. Um, we, I had a question. That, was it about the doing? It was a little bit after. I think so. Um, yeah, when people... <laughs> no, this, this is good. Um, wrestling five, five with the... going, what were we saying? <laughs> <laughs> what were we saying? Um, no, but getting back to the questions, because I think questions elude us. Yeah. And I think it's also a discipline to go go into question answer asking sure. you know yeah in the other podcast i do the punk theology like it's almost like a, a referee thing like hey how do we put that in the form of a question mm. because it's it's almost like there's something in us that wants to to judge or sure. stand on some kind of pedestal of superiority other, sure. over other people and let me tell you how things are right, right. especially men right like we love to do that yeah. <laughs> it's like yeah. let me tell you how let me tell you how it is seth yeah. um but it takes, it takes, I, I was also being bothered recently by, and this goes into um, the question of doing as well, because you, you said something powerful there about maybe I'm a little more liberal than I, than I thought I was, you know, the conservative guy could ask that. And then even the liberal guy could, could say, oh, wow, maybe I'm a little more conservative than I, than I am led on to believe too. So when you start delving in and, and unlocking those questions I, I something i noticed on facebook and i said to a guy because he kept he called me a lefty you know mm -hmm. and then i've said other things where somebody would call me oh you people on the right I'm like what <laughs> i'm on the right now yeah, yeah. so which which is interesting i think i think that's a, that's the thing about my faith too that if i something my friend john said um that if if I'm really following Jesus, I'll be too liberal for my conservative friends and too conservative for my liberal friends. Right, right. <laughs> it's, a way, it's a way you could tell. Um, but the whole thing of conservative and liberal, like w when somebody brings that into an argument, oh, like you're you're on the left or you're a liberal or you're a conservative. Yeah, it's almost like they're taking their their tribe. And sorry, I'm going to align myself with my tribe, and then I'm going to otherize you, sure. right? And then it's an easy way to label, uh, label, diminish, and dismiss. Yeah. And it's and I, and I called this guy out on it. I go, and he's a friend, and, and we have these discussions. I go, I go, dude, isn't that kind of intellectually lazy? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, or it's intellectual cowardice to a certain degree because you're, you're not. You're not engaging with the other on their level, and, then, and so doing this this thing and this the season being about intimacy disorder. Yeah. This is kind of where I've been living yeah. um, in this area of really connecting. If we're really going to connect with other humans. Mm -hmm. How do we get away from the labels? Yeah. And what you're saying is part of this process, and that's why I love having you on the show. Is that you're getting away from the doing? You're getting away from all the mm -hmm. bouncing your eyes and these kinds of things. Right. Sure. 
and getting into the what you would call the the mystery or embracing yeah. uncertainty. Yeah. Well, and it starts with a feeling. And it starts with a feeling. Well, and, he, and, yeah. even, and even that, like when you say it's intellectually dishonest, it's it's emotionally dishonest. Yeah, because yeah. the engagement isn't done with the intellect. Yeah. The engagement is done with the emotions. Exactly. And that's why rock bottom is a thing. Rock bottom is an intellectual space you come to. Yeah. Rock bottom is an emotional space you come to. Right. Like we are actually emotional beings. We are driven by our emotions. We make decisions with our emotions. We don't... You know, people, no matter how reasonable you are, right. your emotions still drive things. Exactly. Whether from a conscious or unconscious space. and Cognitions and, maybe would be a better word. Yeah. Well, and even even cognition, you know, people want to say, well, there's this there's synapses firing and the brain is doing this thing. Because the brain is a governing machine. Right. It governs these things. Uh -huh. Right. But it isn't the, the core of who we are. The way we experience life in its good and its bad is below the neck right you know what i mean and that's where all this stuff is just that's where the addiction is experienced that's where freedom is experienced right you know and then the brain at its in a healthy space the brain just kind of follows yeah exactly. helps organize all those memories and all i those heard a guy he i was listening to a lectures on uh cognitive neuroscience and this guy um like one of the first lectures he has all the students he goes he goes you guys have a smartphone on you right and he goes and it almost sounded like he was going to tell him to turn it off or you know they'll do stuff like that like don't be on your smartphone during the class like it sounded like one of those yeah. but he said no he goes get your smartphone out and they all go okay and put them on the desk in front of you and all these students do this right and he goes he goes your he goes what you know about psychology most of it that has been taught up until about the year 2000 is just focusing on the brain. And he goes, that's why, you know, the you have your smartphone out in front of you. He goes, I want you to think about that like your brain. And he goes, there was a whole, I forget the guy's name, there was a whole kind of discipline in psychology that was getting away from the emotional and into the logic. And if we could just be more logical beings, then we would have a lot less problems. Cognitive behavioral type. Yeah, yeah, if we could just be more, more, you know, less emotional and more thought-based and thinking about that yeah. and and basically his synopsis was the reason why that doesn't work <laughs> yeah. was because he goes he goes that's that phone of yours it's sitting there it's doing things it's it's got little things it's checking checking up on he says but it's worthless unless you feel like picking it up and doing something mm -hmm. and he goes your body reaches out your hand touches it your, your body grabs it yeah. and your mind wants to interact with it he goes, without your body, without you feeling something, and that was really what he's trying to get people to understand, without the emotion, mm -hmm. you wouldn't do anything. You would just be a brain on a stick. Right. Your phone is like that. You, you, you wouldn't use it. It would be worthless. It would be like a brick. Right. If you didn't feel something, the only reason you pick up your phone is you feel something. You hear about these people with... um. Like, like it's a addiction now. Like, we have a smartphone addiction. Like, people... Mm -hmm. And this one guy was talking about how, like, Facebook and Twitter, um, Snapchat, a lot of these guys hire folks from the gaming industry that have designed slot machines mm -hmm. to, to, to design some of the algorithms in, in social media. Mm -hmm. And it's almost like it's become... Like, Facebook... I heard a guy doing a TED Talk on this, too. Like, your, your phone has become sort of like a slot machine. Let's see if somebody said something cool about my post, right? Yeah, yeah. And then I'll get that little hit of dopamine. Like, I got a payoff on that one. Yeah. Oh, I checked it this time. Oh, nobody liked my picture of my cat. Yeah. So I didn't, like, I lost that time. Yeah. And that was really interesting, the way we look at technology, smartphones, but also in feeling stuff. Mm -hmm. Like, it's it's a good way to think about if you don't feel it, 
what, why are you doing it? Mm -hmm. And we ignore that, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, here's a question. I think here's my original question. I've kept it. I put a pin in it, Seth. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes the way my brain works can be exhausting. That's why I have friends like Seth. He's got patience for me. Um, oh, shit, I lost it again. No. Um, <laughs> the question being, what if pornography use, and, and I heard a, a person say this who is a sex therapist, um, and she was talking about when a couple is having sex, a really healthy good flourishing sex life yeah. she said this and i thought this was powerful if you're in your head you're dead mm -hmm. right? right so when we masturbate it's sort of like meditation in the fact that if you're thinking about the bills your job all the things that are stressing you out your relationship how she's not giving you enough sex like whatever it is if we're thinking about all that stuff if that stuff's running through our mind odds are we're not going to have an orgasm mm. like you have to kind of let all that go in the process of wanking sure. right or masturbation yeah, in order to in order to have to climax yeah. and i wonder you know kind of like what you did with your with your book is a lot of that is hey like you said just stop for a while yeah. breathe what if that's what we're really after when, when guys reach for fucking porn hub or whatever it yeah. is I think I think that the porn for most people, not all people, but like for, when we talk about addiction, like if somebody's like, "Hey, I, I feel like I'm a porn addict," that the, the problem is is that what, the problem isn't the fact that you're looking at porn. The problem because it, porn is it's really simple. Porn is porn is a is a deliver, medication delivery system, right? Right. And it's because love feels good, and sex for most people, especially men, feels like love. Yeah. And. And it's a replacement for things that we're carrying at such, such unconscious deep levels. Right. Okay. The problem is, is that in the addictive sense, the way we carry shame, the way we carry the pain that we carry and our trauma, people's experience of pornography is a dissociative one. Right. So a part of them, in a sense, shuts down and a part of them stays awake and uses this drug delivery system, this medication delivery system. Right. right and right. experiences the love. The problem is that there's another part of them that they, they have to separate from themselves to do it for whatever reason, shame or guilt or any of these kind of things. Right. And some of that stuff that now if you bring those things together and someone becomes a fully conscious human being, then free will is an actual thing. Right. And it's not a compulsive drive anymore. It's a choice. And then someone can be choosing pornography because hell, you know, like it's better than, you know, better than playing video games or something you know what i mean <laughs> but then they can start to actually choose other things too they can choose intimate relationship and and you know you know one of the funniest things and you and i've never talked about this before one of the things that cracks me up the most is people talk about porn being a substitution for intimate relationships yeah it's not because it's not the same no it's not now most people don't experience most people's relationships because of the way their pain functions and their partner's pain functions actually aren't as good as porn right so it replaces that relationship, but it's not replacing an intimate relationship. It's yeah, not no. replacing a loving relationship. Yeah. Those those people that are listening right now and you that have loving relationships, I have a very loving, powerful, awesome relationship. Porn doesn't come close to it. Right. And because I'm a fully conscious human being, okay, I can actually choose this is better. Yeah. <laughs> Does that make sense? And sometimes that's painful yeah. because for me, and this is what I've talked about on this show, like I've gone back into looking at porn 
And then when it didn't satisfy, like I remember sitting in my therapist's office, like, and I'm just about in tears going, what the fuck is wrong with me? Yeah. <laughs> like, and it's not that, like, you know, my dick gets hard for a, for a naked lady, that kind of thing. Yeah. But like you said, I think the consciousness level had come to the point where, um, I think it was Rob Bell said, like, when you squeeze all the toothpaste out of the tube, you can't put the toothpaste back in the tube. Yeah. And I got to that point where yeah. porn for me had just become, like, I'd realized it. Yeah. This isn't intimacy. Yeah. This is not giving me what I want. You're too conscious. Yeah, so sitting there with my dick in my hand and my phone going, oh, this isn't fucking working anymore. Yeah. And it led to a real depression in me for a yeah. while. Like, I'll be honest. Like, I was yeah. kind of fucking, like, bummed out. Like, what the hell? Feeling like I was just it was it was just yeah. it was weird like i don't know if i can explain it except for to bring it into consciousness exactly levels. Like, well, yeah, what yeah. it does though is it confronts you with everything else now yeah yeah because you hit a spot where you're like oh shit what do i do now oh man whoa like there's yeah. this whole other part of my life there's everything else to deal with yeah that's the thing when i got when i my porn addiction ended my life was just starting and my and the confrontation of the struggles that i had was just beginning Right. Like all of a sudden it's like, whoa, like you and I have talked about money a lot. We talked about that journey with yeah. abundance and money and depression and poverty and that kind of stuff. And that stuff just started once I woke up enough, porn addiction was over and I was like, oh shit, it's right in front of me now. And, and, and now that I'm conscious, I have to make choices Yeah. and those things are hard and there's other stuff that comes up. And that's why, you know, people give sex, sex and sex drive so much credit. Like it's the only thing that matters in the <laughs> exactly, world yeah. and it's just idiotic. It's not. Yeah, it's a it's an important part of us, and that energy, the sexual energy, has a capacity to do a lot of things, including heal us. Yeah, right? if we understood it better. But man, it is not the end all. Yeah, <laughs> it yeah. is just the beginning. I had a conversation with a dude um, recently who has been in a number of, of like his, you know, he's in his mid twenties, and since high school, he's been in polyamorous relationships, mm. and 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 he's married. And still, you know, Polly, him and his wife are Polly. But he said, uh, he, he, we started, he started asking me about what I do and stuff like that. And I, well, I own a publishing company and I do a podcast on addiction. And eventually, you know, I don't tell a whole lot of people that I don't know that well about what I do. But yeah. it finally came out. Yeah. You know, I talked about sexual, compulsive, sexually compulsive behavior or sex addiction or intimacy disorder. And he goes, intimacy disorder. He goes, that's interesting. He goes. Um, he goes. Do you think that people that are poly are um, in some way sex addicts with some kind of intimacy disorder? Mm. And and I go. Well, how how is your level of stress in your relationships? And he goes. It's it's. He goes. I I don't. Uh, you know. I, I'm on edge all the freaking time. You know. Yeah. Is is whoever she's dating now or sleeping with now going to be better than me, or is she going to connect with somebody on a deeper level than me? Right. Uh, and it was a lot of a lot of what he was asking was value based questions, and really what he where where he was going is like, ooh, am I valuable enough yeah. to be the one? Yeah. You know, what do you, what do you think about that, Seth? About polyamorous relationships, and it's oh. a big thing, especially in Seattle. Like, there's a lot of folks in their twenties, like, are yeah. are poly. And, well, that's why if somebody ever said to me, "What do you think about people that are poly?" I'd be like, "Well, I know like two. Yeah, so I can talk about them. <laughs> you know, because yeah, yeah. I th imagine it's just like anybody else. Everyone has a different path and a different way of moving and different right, way right. of understanding things. I think that that the polyamorous desire 
is an is an interesting one because I like I have one of my clients had an issue of multiple he called it multiple relationships like yeah. it was an addiction I had to have multiple relationships what we found is we were going into it we found that he was actually dissociating different wounded parts of himself and because I would say why are you with this girl oh this girl's like this and you know, what about her well what she's like that and they all actually met a different need. Right. to a different part of himself. Right. And I mean, and he wasn't like dissociated personality disorder, like where it's like multiple personalities, but he was close. Like for him, it was literally like, she gives me this, she gives me this, she gives me this, she gives me this. And I'm going, oh, she is working with that 12 year old in you. Right. And she's got the six year old and that one over there is dealing with the baby. You know what I mean? And like, there's all, and they all had different looks and different stuff. Everything was different. Right. And I think that some people divide themselves like that because it's easier to do that because me, if I take that one part of myself, he can do that relationship pretty good. Uh -huh. You know what I mean? But to be an integrated human being and to be able to be fully accepted for all of that is very, very difficult. Yeah, yeah. Like to be, you know, you know this, you know, you're in marriage. That's the one thing I think that is really, not the one thing, but one of the things I think is very valuable about a monogamous committed relationship is that if we're going to, if it's going to become a place of happiness, then it, that means all my shit is here. Yeah. And all my energies are here and they are accepted and loved. The, the, the goal... That's like real nudity, right? Yeah. We talk about getting naked in front right. of another human being. Like, that's really right. what it's about. Exactly. It's, it has nothing to do with sex. Yeah. So if you have... Because, like, if I... You know, if I give... I mean, part of my story was an affair. And part of... In, in that space, I gave part of myself to somebody and saved this other part of me for this other person. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like... Here I do that, you know, so my wife gets this one part of me and this, per and then, and there was never, there wasn't truth in that, in that I, here's, well, if I could put them both in front of me and go, all right, here's me. Right. Y am I okay? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Am I okay? And who knows what they would have said. Maybe they would have both said no. And maybe they both said, yeah, why did you ever think anything different? Yeah. But that was the risk. And that was the tough thing in my relationship. Cl clearly in my marriage, like so many people, I was like, there are certain parts of me that she's just simply not okay with. Wow. Yeah. And although what drives a lot of this kind of stuff is like. I need somewhere where I can go where all of me, I can bring all of me. Right. And in polyamorous relationships, I think sometimes there's a beauty because you, there's a freedom to just go, I can feel what I want, desire what I want. There's an acceptance of those things. Yeah. But, but the people I've known that engage in that, I've known a few, a few, you could see it. It was more of a control mechanism where mm. they were clear. They were separating parts of themselves and they kind of keep it all night and nice. And it's almost like having a bookshelf and I got multiple books here. Right. You know, when there's Shakespeare, there's some psychology, there's a novel and there's a book on quantum physics and they all kind of, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I got it nice in order. That's kind of what my know? therapist said too. Like she said, it was in a group situation. She said that, that polyamory, polyamory, like it sounds good on paper, mm -hmm. but it's sort of like, 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 my wife's uh, grandmother is still alive, and my wife's in her 40s, around, you know. I just turned 50. Um, but she, uh, her grandma's still alive. She's in her 90s, and she is, she's the exception to the rule. So she, like, ate lots of pizza. Like, she was obese most of the time that I knew her. Mm -hmm. um, I think she actually smoked for a little while, like, yeah. stuff like that, right? <laughs> right? Like, she's yeah. not, and, and that's kind of like what my therapist was saying about polyamory. Like, like the, sure, there's an exceptions to the rule, sure. but most people can't really make that work long term. Right. And I think maybe what you're saying also is that eventually, when you start peeling back these layers of yourself and you yeah. get to your your spiritual core, your spiritual center, yeah. instead of this 
egocentric kind of right like kaleidoscope of of little egos like spinning it, like, oneself, exactly yeah. once yeah. you once you bring it all to one one center yeah. that you can just be naked with that person yeah. that's i think that's what we're really seeking whether we are conscious of it or not yeah. how, I, who can I, who can i be naked with well, and i'll say all really, that with the caveat really. that getting to that place is so different for everyone and it's so complex yeah and it requires a lot of pain and i think sometimes people go you know meet someone that's in a polyamorous position and you can see it like it's part of their path you can see it like this is a, something they're exploring as a part of a journey that is actually yeah. leading somewhere the question is do they keep going and if they do keep going where does that lead because i think that ultimately if someone desires love like love yeah and that is a, that not, not pure but something that is that is whole in the sense that it is it is an unconditional thing, which is almost impossible to find as a human being. If someone desires that, then that's going to continue to pull them forward into a deeper and deeper and deeper intimacy. And I, I, I believe personally that if that's the desire, that eventually it's going to bring you into an integrated space where I am one person yeah. and this is me. And I, here's my story. Here's my journey. Here's what I've healed. Can you see me? You know, yeah. and that person be able to see you. It's, it's a, where you're not hiding certain right. layers of yourself. Right. Um, I, I like the analogy of taking off armor. Like I was talking with a friend about um, going to therapists or healers or like these people need to fix. Oh, they just want to fix you. And I said, no. I said, I think a good therapist or healer is is ideologically honest enough to say, what I do is I take off people's armor. Yeah. Right. Or yeah. I help them take it off. Sure. Like you can't, <laughs> they yeah. have to take it off. Yeah. We just have to show them sure. here's, here's your armor. Yeah. I, I, I saw the couple yesterday, the, the one that she discovered all these affairs and she's like, I don't think he's in love with me. And mm. I said, he's not clearly. I go, he can't give you what you need. Right. And I just told her that the, you're going to have to, I said, that illusion is gone. And she just sat there and you could see all the armor was gone and she was vulnerable. And she's like, I go, he can only give you the, he has the courage to heal. That's it. That's all he's got. Right. And she looked at him and he's like, yeah, that's all I got. And, she, and I said, is that enough for now? Yeah. And she's like, I think so. All right, great. And now you want to talk about naked like that is a, she was just armor gone, right. control gone. I've lost it all here. All yeah. the illusions crumbling. But we were, we, we were all like, we hit ground zero. We can actually right here, we, there's play, we can push off of this. We can climb. We can build. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But we had to get to that space first where all the illusions are gone. Very true. Yeah. Some good questions. Very good questions, man. Is there any questions that have come up in the Triple uh, X Church uh, world over there at my pilgrimage that you wanted to, to possibly say to listeners who, yeah. who may be listening from, from there? Well, my pilgrimage is unique because... It is driven by the question. Yeah. Um, but, it, you know, there's some guys there that are real conservative and religious, and there's guys that are radicals and mystics, and there's guys that are just exploring the, the fringes. But um, I think the main questions that I get and that we and we do Facebook Live things and things like that are always around these ideas of resistance. Like, why do, why do I not do the things I know I should do? What is holding me back? Everybody's right. always asking about that. They ask about energy. They ask about, like, there's something in my body. Like, I know I should. Like, I have a buddy of mine today. I'm like, every, I go, listen, bro. And like, everyone that loves you and knows you knows that you desperately need help. And for some reason, you don't get it. Right. And he's like, really? Go, yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> we all know this. It's yeah. a consensus. Yeah. But he still doesn't You're know. not tricking anyone. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and the big question there is why? Which is the Pauline, that's a Pauline question, right? Why do I do the things I know I shouldn't do? Yeah. Instead, I do the things I hate. I, I do those things instead of the things that I know I should. Uh, and that question drives most theology. Right. right. Yeah. So. But it's also, that's that's so cool that that's in the Bible, right? Yeah. Romans 7. Right. Because that's the point where he is, because he was also a religious cat. Like at Paul's story is he was like the religious, I mean, you want to talk about, you know, super hyper conservative, like you've got to think this way, like yeah. Mr. Law. Yeah. Like that was his, his big deal. And he yeah. had to let that go. And that statement is kind of letting that go, isn't it? Well, it's like, I, Hey, I don't have it figured out. Yeah. Well, and that's, <laughs> and that's him, you know, and he'd telling a story about how I just, Three times I asked for this thing to be taken away from me. Three times it's come back to me. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. That's yeah. what my pilgrimage is about. Yeah. It, if my you power is made up, perfect in weakness. It's power being made perfect in weakness. Yeah. If, we could, if we could sum up what my pilgrimage is, and there's lives being completely transformed. Right. There's guys talking way beyond I'm sober. Yeah. Nobody, you know, some of the guys are counting. Most of the guys, especially the guys, there's guys are like, I'm done counting. I'm free and I can feel it. And it's changing everything. Right. And that's the goal, man. That is the goal with the whole thing. So. That's the main question, and, and, and a lot of it, too, is just people fed up with a religion that lacks any type of power. Yeah, exactly. Like a, a powerless I wanted power. to end with that, too, um, closing this. this it's, we got more to say, but well, we'll do it another right, time. Right. But uh, but one of the things that I wanted to close with is, is the cross. And I had a, a coffee with a pastor friend of mine, and I was talking about, um, penal substitutionary atonement and how for me uh, that was really damaging toward my relationship with, with not only God but my father mm -hmm. and with others. Yeah. Um, I think that there's some of that theology that when I've had real deep conversations about it with people who are willing to open up to me I think it's some of the motivator of why people live secret lives, mm -hmm. right? If God over here is so holy, he can't have you in the room. So Jesus had to die yeah. so that God could be okay with you. Right. First of all, like that's, that's not one God who, <laughs> that's just, it's just, it's confusing. Yeah. Um, and, and so he wrote a paper, kind of like an essay on, on why did Jesus have to die? And he's, and he's not trying to fix or correct or, you know, anything like that. He was just really curious about my position. And, um, I would like to, to, to hear, to hear your take on that. Um, um, why did Jesus, why did die? Jesus have to die, Seth? Like, what is the right. cross in, in all of this? Yeah. Well, I'm going to say something radical, but I think it has implications for everything we're talking about. Jesus didn't have to die. Yeah. Jesus chose to die. That's right. Yeah. That's in the Bible, too. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. What did he say? I lay down my no, life. No one takes it from no me. No one takes it from including me. Including exactly. God the Father. Yeah. Take his life. People want to read Gethsemane and they want to read Gethsemane as some sort of God is like, fuck you, man, you got to do this. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Exactly. He's got a whip and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> you know, no, please don't kill me. You know, nope, you got to do it. Yeah. That, that wasn't what it was. Yeah. There's a huge question at the heart of this. Why did Jesus feel compelled in his mission, in his soul mission, on the reason he was put on this planet to do that? Right. Why did he go to Jerusalem? Yeah. He didn't have to. He probably knew he was going to die, but he felt that there was, he was compelled something in him was like i gotta do this yeah and he wasn't doing it for the world right he, he jesus you read his life he was doing it for his people right right 
Paul did it for the world. Like he was one of the only guys in the entire New Testament is like, yeah, I care about everybody. Jesus was like, this is about the Jews, right? This is my people. He felt called to his tribe. And every once in a while, somebody from the other tribes would step in and he'd go, yeah, you can be included too. Cause it's for everybody. Yeah. But he was focused on them and he felt this need, this need to go to that. His, he felt his message, what he was trying to say, what he was trying to teach, what he was trying to proclaim about the nature of human beings and their relationship with the divine was important enough to go through that. Right. And that is the question. And then he called all of us to do the same thing. Yeah. Right. And so the rest of the new Testament is this thing of going to be like Christ is to follow that drive inside of you to lose, carry your cross daily. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 you know, be executed daily and people sit around, you know, going, yeah, well, I, you know, I paid my tithe and that's, that's the same thing. Yeah. Or I didn't look at porn today or I bounced my eyes. Right. Right. I think there's a lot of confusion over, What's this? What's the spirit and what's the flesh, right? Because right. I think that some of that's been interpreted by bad religion as the flesh is sex, right. or you desiring someone who's not your wife, or yeah. you're wearing a purity ring and you looked at her tits. Like that's right. not cool. Right. Whatever. Yeah. It's not. It's not. Like yeah. that's a. There's a very egocentric. I think Richard Rohr said it best when he said, "If you, if you take that word, the flesh, in the Bible and put yeah. ego in there, yeah. or egocentric." That's really what what it's talking yeah, about. That's what it, it is. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And Jesus was wrestling with his ego in Gethsemane. He was when he was saying he was looking to his heavenly Father because that's the paradigm of God that he had. That's the paradigm God he was given. And he was looking at the Father and he was saying, "I and the Father are one." Yeah. He's saying, "I and the Father are one," and then he's saying, "If there's any way I can get out of this, yeah, please." But he's he's saying, "But not my will, but yours be done." That was a, he was surrendering to something that he claimed to be one with. Yeah. which is really unique, right? Right. And that's what he's saying, and you are all one, and we can all be one, and then, but he modeled the surrender. Yeah. You know, and so surrendering is, is you know, I and mean, if somebody's struggling with addiction, just just try surrendering to the idea that there is something you were put on this planet to be and do. Yeah, exactly. So the question is, why are you here? Yeah. Every day, why are you here? Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's not to please God. You yeah, and God are one. Any idea? You're already any, pleased. Any God's already pleased exactly with you. God is, yeah. and any perception that you are separate from God, okay, is an error. It's called duality. It's an error in yeah. being human. It's part of being human. It's feeling that separation, and our job is to close that gap. Yeah. And we do that through a process of subtraction, through healing. That's right. Not through addition. Not through you know one more piece of theology. No. That's right. So. Non-duality is. That's the goal. Is worship, really? Yeah. Right? And, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's entering in to what is already in you. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So. Thanks, Seth. Thanks for being on the show. Yeah, bro. Later. Out. The ASI Podcast is a listener-supported production. Russ encourages listeners to use some of your own life energy to break free. You can do that as a co-producer. Go to ASI247.org to learn more. Hey.